crafties it is again that time of year the crafties <laughs> that sorry time. sorry sorry i hadn't heard the cra- arena crafties out of your mouth before. <laughs> I, it wrecked me okay again again <laughs> it wrecked me i'm trying to get some community identity going here you know i freaking love the crafties the crafties right <laughs> arena crafties it is again that time of year the time when we dust off our egos the time when we reassess what we think is real the time when we look in the mirror and ask ourselves are we capable of bringing honor to our families to the magic community and in cgb's case to the dojo that is the real question as we the arena craft podcast dedicated exclusively to magic the gathering arena are in one of the most fun times of the year it is set release time and I'm here today with co-host Covert Go Blue to discuss Kaldheim in Standard. How are you doing today, CGB? I am doing better after that intro. You have indeed brought honor to the podcast with that intro. <laughs> uh, and Thank you, you are right. Oh, you are right, man. There, There is kind of a magic skill subset that only gets tested a few times a year. And that is new card evaluation and deck building with new cards and you only get to try it for like a week maybe two if you're lucky and then the biggest brains emerge the best decks emerge and then it becomes about metagaming decks versus decks but for two weeks anything is possible and that that very narrow set of special skills liam Neeson. Nielsen style special skills that get you really just get to play with it and that's that's what it's all about right now indeed indeed these are the magical times when we get to play with like a broad section of the card pool and standard until it gets narrowed back down to like 10 cards out of the new set and then you know like the 50 cards out of the old sets that were playable and then we're on the same old crap as it were so yeah, so enjoy the, the card pool while you can before it's all outmoded. So yeah, uh, we're going to dive right in because we have a lot of content today. And trust me, crafties, we will get back to things like answering lightning round questions and kind of the more mundane aspects of the podcast uh, next week, probably. But we just have like a lot to talk about. So we're going to jump straight into it. And the first thing that I want to ask you about Kovac Go Blue is how did your early access go? Great. Uh, in a million ways. The Twitch crowd was absolutely fantastic. We had a lot of people watching, a lot of support from that community. So thank you so much to everybody who tuned in on Twitch. A lot of them mentioning the podcast. The The podcast is out there. Awesome. People are, people are saying, I love the podcast, or I found you on, I heard you first on the podcast. Oh, which, really? Okay, now yes. that... Yeah. That impresses me. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, right? So it's good to know that the crafty circle is growing. Love it, love it. <laughs> Sorry, it's like my wife likes crafting circles. I had to do something <laughs> with it. The circle is complete. Um, but I, another great thing about early access, for me at least, uh, got to win a lot of games. Like we, are, I didn't keep the record or anything, but there were a lot of decks we retired. Uh, the meme was that I'm going to get this deck banned. We have to stop playing it <laughs> because uh, like I, what I was doing is I was playing the deck till it won a game and then I would play it till it lost. And I like, if, if the deck just didn't lose, I had to keep playing it. And eventually it's like, guys, we got to put this away. We're going to get Yorian banned. You know, <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that. 
tired and of then, losing. And then they were telling me to keep playing Mono Red because they're like, you have to keep playing Mono Red. We want to get Embercleave banned. No, no, keep playing it, please. I, I mean, I imagine you took some pride in being the bad guy for once, CGB. Always. Yes. There's, there's, I, there's no greater accomplishment uh, than getting people a little bit emotionally invested in a somewhat salty way in Magic the Gathering. So yeah, I've, it was actually a great early access for me too. I streamed twice, so I, I managed to find some time early in the day, and then I had to do some of my IRL job, but then I was able to stream into the evening, and so I probably streamed more hours than I have streamed on an early access before. So it was really awesome. Got to try a number of different decks, including decks that uh, I brewed with the community on the stream. So that was really fun. But yeah, the, the thing that stood out to me was that I was having more fun and I was seeing more variety in the decks and the early access than I feel like I have in the past. It could have just been my particular anecdotal stream, but I saw all kinds of stuff. And even though a lot of it wasn't very good, it was really fun. So I just, I had an absolute blast. There was no eye roll for me on this early access. There was no like, oh, okay, turn two Lotus Cobra, here we go, or whatever, whatever. I mean, there was definitely a lot of memeing. There was definitely some Tybalt's trickeries. There was definitely, you know, <laughs> a fair amount of world trees and, and whatnot. But I don't know. It, it all felt fun to me. Like, none of it just felt like, you know, give up now. This format sucks already. So... Yeah. Uh, what was your experience uh, in that regard, CGB? Uh, first, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Did you play against rogues uh, even once? Maybe once. I think like one of my first matches was rogues, and then it was one and done, which was amazing. Okay. I, yeah. I didn't play against rogues at all. Okay. So, all right. Like, so it was a good day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's easy to have fun when you're not getting everything countered and milled. Um, yeah, when you're <laughs> so, not losing on turn one. I, I did play against Sandy Dog three times, which meant I got mono-redded. Brutal. It, minimum of three times. Yeah. Uh, so that Oh, man. Of... Sandy had some fun new toys to work with, for sure. Yeah, Snow Red. We're going to have to talk about Snow Red. But um, other than that, that aside, yeah, a ton of variety, a lot of Rakdos, uh, a lot of Giants, and a lot of Angels. Uh, so people really trying out that kind of stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll have things to say about those, I'm sure. They, I, I was probably the bad guy to most of them. Uh, I, I, some people came from other streams to let me know. They said, to stop blinking. Please stop blinking. It's too much. And I'm like, no, the Yorian blinks. It's the way the Yorian works. I mean, uh, you're going to milk that card while it's in standard, man. That's all I have to say about that. I sure <laughs> will. Yorian, the Yorian path is well trodden in the dojo. We got a lot better. Would you? I mean, we'll get to that. Oh, but yeah. It, it seems like Yorian is, once again, uh, one of the arch villains of the format. I mean, flash forward, like, at, you know, on the actual ladder when the set was released, my matches have been like 75% Yorian so far. Oh, so baby. it is just is. And, and it's all over the place too. Like no two lists are the same. I haven't, I haven't seen a list where I'm like, oh yeah, that's CGB's list. Or, oh, that's so-and-so streamer's list. It's like everyone's just brewing their own interesting you know, minimum three color Yorian brew. And, you know, I mean, I get tired of the play patterns, but I don't get tired of seeing the permutations and what people are trying out. That That's really fun. Yeah, the Sky Noodle is just in its element right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think we, uh, we can talk about 
the ladder and and the initial days on arena the first thing that i wanted to say was to um oh man i always want to be only positive when i'm talking about this stuff because i want to give wizards a chance to rock and i have to say that unfortunately this time around they kind of botched the early access event you know it could have been due to basically like the community manager for wizards got a new job recently and so i wonder if they were just left in this kind of awkward position of having like a vacancy in a really awkward spot right before the uh the event but at any rate there were just like many streamers including myself um were having account access issues not getting emails stuff like that and i think you both you and me cgb were human tokens in the early access event dude and 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 this should don't take it as a slight in any way day nine was a human token i mean i, I mean damn <laughs> what more can you say yeah right yeah so you know i don't want to i don't want to drag wizards too much but i just wanted to mention that because you know it, oh it, oh to, hold on to people who don't know that means our username was human token number 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 like my username during the event wasn't covert go blue or cgb your username wasn't arena craft podcast or you know whatever you want to go by uh, just just to be clear in case they're wondering what the heck that meant which basically meant that they were just like shanghaiing a bunch of people into like hastily created random accounts right yep. so you know yep. they, the team did a good job of getting in the people who were like banging on the doors asking their friends you know uh sleeping with the right people to get into the event but anyone <laughs> the uh, what? the underworld the secret underworld of magic content creation but for the for the rest anyone i think who either didn't hit the lottery or didn't like work their connections probably didn't get into this event so hopefully they'll have that or figured out by next time i i also know there are a lot of content creators who have done it who have been in these events before who just didn't go through like just didn't bother yeah that probably could have worked their connections had their connections and just were like nah yeah um I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna come at it from kind of the opposite angle i knew that the community manager left before the end of the year and i also knew that the early at that the streamer content creator program stopped accepting people if, if oh. you tried to apply to the program anytime since since january 1st yeah it just says that it's it doesn't exist it just doesn't work right it's just closed okay right so i was like i saw that coming i knew about that very early in january like january 2nd i heard that from somebody yeah and i checked on it like every week and so the fact that there were no new challenges in the content creator program the fact that there was no community manager i was prepared for no early access wow so yeah. my expectations were the opposite i was like oh it's actually happening i don't care i'm a human token i get to play with the cards thank goodness you know yeah i yeah. i honestly expected it to be more of a dumpster fire than it was well okay good i'm glad i'm glad that that was value added for you so on a, on a super positive note, though, I will say that, holy heck, what a smooth release on Arena, right? Yeah, if if we can have a shaky early access, but a great release day, yeah. I take the trade. Yeah, I mean, we, 100%. we've complained on the show before about these bad release days, and the server, from what I could tell, was like, I mean, it wasn't silky smooth, maybe like a little wait between games, but overall, it was great. Oh, yeah. No black screens of death, no timeout, no login issues, none of the stuff we've had before. And thank goodness, because there were only two, there was only like 48 hours left of MTG Arena Ladder 
season. Yes. So can you imagine oh if you God, had it been a wrecked the ladder? That would have been horrible. Yeah, yeah. So huge props. You know, clearly the arena team flexed whatever they needed to flex to make that happen. And so overall, an incredibly smooth release. I also didn't hear about any people having any like pack redemption issues or any of that kind of thing. So And they got it out on mobile. Yes. I it know. It is there. <laughs> it <laughs> exists. I don't want to go deep on that aspect. I know that you've, you know, I think if you're curious about it, you can check CGB's content because CGB has been really putting it through its paces, so to speak. Kind of. I, I have one stream in the books, my Thursday stream. Okay. But, but just a quick, what's like the, the Cliff's Notes summary of your experience on mobile so far? Reading glasses. <laughs> I, I, I've never wanted a stylus more in my life. It is so hard to touch what you need to touch. Yes. It's really freaking hard, and there's no way to zoom in either. It is so oh, no hard zoom? to touch what you oh, need to snap. touch. All right. Yeah, you can't, like, pinch or drag. Yeah. You have to, like, if you want to name your deck, you have to touch uh, an area of space about the size of, like, the edge of my fingernail. With your finger, not with your fingernail, with your finger. It, it's really hard. So let me just ask CGB, is it basically like they just took the intact Arena UI and just put it on the phone? Is that basically it? Yes, okay. with a few features missing. Okay. You can't, for whatever reason, enter codes in the store. Oh, all right. You can't view your deck in landscape mode, only in in horizontal. You can it's only just, view it in vertical. It's all mode, okay. Oh, is it frustrating, too, just scrying through that? Oh, man, it is really hard to... I was most excited for mobile to build decks. It is a chore, but it works. It does work. It just, it's harder work than you'd think it could be. And here's the big cliff note. As soon as an animation happens, as soon as a mythic hits the battlefield that does an animation, everything chugs. <laughs> okay. Every mythic is to fairy, I guess. <laughs> I have not seen a clear, I have not seen a smooth animation yet yeah. on my phone. And it's a Pixel 4a for anybody wondering. It's a Pixel 4a. So you're not running the newest, pretty newest, but tech. not the oldest. Yeah. It's reasonably modern. Okay. Well, good to know. I mean, I guess impressive that they got it implemented. I imagine that playing like basically regular arena on a phone sounds kind of challenging and nightmares to me. But I mean, overall, we'll give them props for making. I mean, your phone didn't melt, right? Nope. Nope, just a few, uh, you know, second degree burns on my hand. Okay, Nothing to worry about. No, it was no, worth it. It. it was really, it was really warm. Yeah. And ever since I installed it, I figured out I have to make sure I go through and force close it because I'll just come back to my phone after 20 minutes oh, of doing something else and my like battery still is cooking. Dead. Got it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so good to know about that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how that one evolves, but thanks for doing the research, CGB. Thanks for getting in the field. And checking it out, Covert Go Heal on the uh, <laughs> on the beat there. Yeah, baby. All right. So let's get into the standard meta game on Arena since the release. Now we were, you know, alluding to basically people are trying all kinds of things on the ladder. I have seen a number of things. We wanted to focus on the new cards, and we definitely will. But the first thing I just want to say is, holy Yarian, dude. Like, I, there is, my ladder experience has literally been 75% Yarian since I started playing. And I'm in, I think I'm in high platinum at the moment. So basically throughout, yeah, I haven't been playing much Constructed. So basically throughout the entirety of platinum for me, it's just Yarian brews. 
I mean, you know, they are, they're definitely using the new cards. Some of the permutations I've seen have been a little bit more like uh, Fortel controlling focused. Some of them have definitely been more of like the Abzan saga nature. I've even seen some kind of snow Yorian decks, which I thought were pretty cool. So props on people for trying different things. I mean, no, no two brews have looked the same, but I mean, is this just Yorian's format CGB? I feel like it's a dual deck format, Yorium versus Embercleave. <laughs> okay. There you go. Or the or the build your own Embercleave of Sky Mall plus some other enhancement like Halvar God of Battle, you know. But uh yeah, that that is about how it feels and Yorian Yorian just works so well with a set full of sagas, and I'm sure that that wasn't hard to piece together. But it's also pretty sweet with dual face cards like that aren't lands, like the gods. So you can just switch them when the time comes to switch them. And uh, on the other hand, the Eldraine artifacts like Great Henge and Embercleave are just great with creatures, any creature whatsoever. So if you're playing creatures, you probably need to find ways to use more of those cards. Right, right. So let's talk about a couple of the cards that have been impressing that we've seen in your index. First of all, probably my favorite card from the pre-release after playing all night was Binding the Old Gods. The first time... Okay, so I was playing a, a Goldspan Dragon Gruel Brew, and the first time I got turn for Henge down and my opponent just Binding the Old Gods, destroy it, it was like, oh, oh god. And then next turn, Yorian flickered the Binding to kill your... To kill my dragon or whatever yeah. the next threat was, right? I was just like, oh god, things are different now. The Great Henge immediately got worse. Now, I'm not saying the card's bad, it's still a busted card. I'm just saying that you need to be expecting that if you resolve some big haymaker like Ugin, like the Great Henge, anything like that, you can't expect that card to be sticking around if your opponent's playing in any Golgari, you know, any deck containing the Golgari colors. So be on lookout for that card. It's, it's, I would definitely put that card in the top five of the set so far. I've, been kind of impressed with it i found it a little bit slow for the extreme matchups so it but in mid-range mirrors it feels just disgusting like yeah. absolutely nasty and um ha has death touch come up at all no. has, the, has chapter three ever mattered I'm no curious. but typically the reason why is because it was only my gilded geese getting it so i okay, okay. i don't really so know I, I played against a Jund player, yeah. and they had the um, Predator, Immerstrom Predator Ooh, on the field, okay. yep. and they had, okay, so what it was is they had two, uh, two Fireblade Chargers on the field that gained Death Touch, and then they played the Predator and sacrificed them to kill two creatures. Sick, sick combos, for sure. <laughs> yeah, not terrible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not terrible at all. Yeah. So I expect this card to, just like you said, any deck... I think that any deck which is intending to play even a medium longish game that has access to the colors green and black, like should be considering and probably running some number of that card. I just think it's and, I think it's that good. Yeah, and try to figure out how to run green and black. The mana in this format is nice. So I, nice, I, right? Holy cow. Yeah. You I've, can splash all kinds of things. I've never seen so many four color decks on the ladder. And and they mm -hmm. don't you know, it's funny how like in some metas when someone plays four colors, you're like, you're looking at them play their lands and you're like, 
whoa, okay, this person's four-color, wow, okay, they're really kind of going to lengths to make a four-color deck, right? And in this format, like, pe people are just playing their mana, they're just playing their mana, and then on turn four, you're like, oh, shit, this person can produce four colors of mana. I wasn't even thinking about it. Every land is like a triome or a pathway or, a, you know, fabled passage yeah. or whatever. So... Yeah. Yeah, we we this is a, a a good time to be brewing right now because I it feels like most things are possible. I think there are still some color combinations like for example, um I'm trying to remember whether it's the wedges or the shards, but the uh the, un the basically the color combinations that don't have a triome like Grixis for example. Those are shards. Okay, those are shards. So I feel like the shards still are kind of hard especially if you want to be playing a fast game. Like, I definitely wouldn't be trying to play any kind of, like, Grixis aggro deck or anything. You really have to be mindful of your double white or double red or... Du like, anything with two of the same mana cost in the color doesn't work well without a Triome because you have... Uh, but it, it works fine if you're, like, one, you know... Every time you're, like, one pip in the casting cost, like Lovestruck Beast or Bonecrusher Giant, you're just, like... I've got I've got 12 pathways. I've got four fable passage and I have some basics. I'm good. You're totally right about that. Yeah, I would as and you know, uh, Skyclave Apparition is like a really good example because that's a card that you want to play consistently on curve on turn 3. Yes. It's really impactful yes. on that turn, right? So yeah, you you can't be faffing about with your mana if you're trying to get that card down yeah i would definitely keep you know if you're running double pips have them on things like um Vorinclex or something which comes down a little later on the curve so you can have some time to build up towards it so yeah so the mana is really sweet and binding the old gods will definitely help you get there um i so i know that you were playing a lot of yorian cgb uh what sagas were you trying to abuse with yorian from the new set <laughs> Not many. Um, <laughs> no, my approach, I, I did some binding stuff. It was really fun. But most of my time with Yorian was spent on, oh uh, gosh, I can't, okay, we got to talk about this, I guess. But it was spent on, first of all, the blue-white blink creatures and just the endless cycles of glorious protectors and charming princes and things of that nature, which was really Really fun uh, and nauseating to many an adversary. And then the other thing that I spent way too much Yorian time on was Demir, um, the the shipwreck dowser blood on the snow combo. Oh yeah! So explain that for the people. So uh, I believe the card is called shipwreck dowser three blue blue three three prowess for some reason. When it enters the battlefield, return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. So uh, you play it on five, you get back whatever. Uh, then the deck has a ton of snowlands and has blood on the snow, which can destroy all creatures or planeswalkers. And then afterwards returns a creature with converted mana costs less than or equal to the amount of snow mana you paid to the battlefield. So if you cast blood on the snow, whether the dowser is in your graveyard or on the battlefield, and you destroy all creatures the dowser goes to the battle to the graveyard then you return the dowser to the battlefield getting back blood on the snow and there's, so there's no the, exiling so you can do that as many times yeah. as you want yep if the opponent doesn't exile the dowser somehow you can wrath every turn for the rest of the game if you want to which is pretty tidy and note that blood on the snow also does hit planeswalkers if you need that to happen 
I did not play against that particular combo, but I have played against a couple Blood on the Snow decks, and I would say that that card has impressed me decently so far. I'm not gonna like say that it's necessarily a top ten card or anything, but um, I it's it's on my list of cards that seem like they could have an application and that felt compelling to me. Uh, I'll stress some things in the shell that are really important. Solemn Simulacrum. Mm. Just ramp yourself to blood in the snow sooner so you don't die a horrific death. And Ugin to go over the top if blood in the snow isn't doing the job. Sometimes you got to exile their stuff. The decks that I saw that were doing pretty well with it played a fair number of walkers. Walkers lower on the curve too, like Liliana. Liliana, wow. Okay, I didn't run into that, but I also found another really sick combo is Atreus and Ashiok with blood in the snow. Because Atreus throws stuff in the graveyard and Blood in the Snow gets it back and getting out Ashiok with Blood in the Snow is sweet. So yeah, there's a lot you can do. That's it. So if, if you're making a Blood in the Snow deck, you yeah, exactly. You want to be playing ETB creatures and Planeswalkers. Yeah, not a lot of counter spells. It's not a counter spell deck. And I have to say, like, I was able to defeat the deck I played that was doing that, but it was only because my deck was the only grindier deck you could imagine playing. I mean, I, I was playing like this Sultai pile, which I'll tell you about in a bit, which is just like designed to go over the top of anything else. But it took a lot of card draw and a lot of grinding to freaking work my way through that deck. So it, it, it was impressive to me. I thought it looked pretty good. We were talking about how great Yorian is. It's great. (laughs) It's great. Yorian's good. Let's talk about another card which people were trying with Yorian and which is also positioned to be currently one of the top five cards in the set, which is Showdown of the Skalds. So this is a card which pro players and top streamers, such as people like Crokies, for example, uh, people like Gabriel Nassif, have really highlighted this card as being like potentially the most powerful card in the set. Martin User is an example of another person who's been playing it. And there are a lot of different shells you can put it into. Some people have tried it with Yorian. After seeing that, I actually don't think that's necessarily the best thing to be doing with it, although it's definitely just another way that your Yorian deck can go way over the top. So some people like Martin User, for example, started with like what I would call maybe a vanilla idea on Showdown of the Skulls, which is just basically running a Boros deck with a fair amount of creatures, some adventure creatures, you know, Bone Crusher Giants and uh, maybe uh, Giant Killers, stuff like that. And basically just trying to play a fairly aggro game with cheap creatures and then getting down the showdown and really trying to abuse the putting counters on your creatures. So and and it works out really well because you have a bunch of cheap creatures And so you get to play a bunch of spells to take advantage of chapters two and three on the showdown. And one of the cool interactions, which you and I certainly weren't discussing before, maybe we did, I don't remember. But one of the cool interactions that people have discovered with the showdown of the Skulls is to uh, play it with that other adventure creature, the Shepherd of the Flock. Mm -hmm. And so this interaction is basically you play the showdown and then either you have a shepherd in your hand or you exile a shepherd off of the showdown, and then you just return it to your hand and you just start the loop over again. Uh, and of course, when you have shepherd in your deck, you can do fun little shepherd loops as well. So that's been a tricky thing that people have been doing to just get basically infinite value out of this card. So what do you think of that, CGB? Pro tip, if you're running the showdown deck and you have Shepherd of the Flock or some other way to instant speed, flicker, or bounce the showdown, make sure you put a stop on your on your beginning phase. 
Because if you top deck oh, the shepherd, you yeah. want to bounce the showdown before, before it sacrifices it itself. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really good tip. Yeah, pro tip right there. But it's really good. Um, showdown can be played in a Yorian deck, but it it's not good in the traditional Yorian deck. I can't tell you how many times early on you would show down and your reveal is a, an Elspeth Conquers Death and a Doom Scar and a, you know, another four drop and like a Doom Foretold and a land. And you're like, I get one of these. That's not bad. Those are good cards. And if you didn't already have them in hand, maybe you're happy to hit them. But all you really did is spend four mana to get one card that you might have drawn off the top anyway. Like, you didn't do it, in my opinion. So, uh, kind of a different build of Yorian that wants to run things like Showdown is a lot more board-focused. It makes more tokens. It runs more cheap cards. It runs more adventure cards. So, I think if Yorian is going to Showdown, it needs to run differently, and it actually needs a lower curve. You really don't want Showdown into, like, ECD and Wrath, and like I said, pretty much exactly what I said. You want more cards on the battlefield and cheaper cards. Which is why Showdown is really good in aggro. Like, disgusting. Disgustingly good in aggro. Um, so, I, I've been trying, like, Mono Red splashing just for Showdown, and I've tried Mono White splashing just for Showdown. The white version was a lot better, by the way. Red at four already has Torbrand and Embercleave. It doesn't need more. It really doesn't. Yeah, and let's white just, does. Let's discuss that. Showdown has not been playing particularly well with Embercleave, so. You know, you like I, I watched Crokey's playing a list and he was just like every time he drew or got Embercleave off his showdown, he was just pissed. He was just disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe they don't go in the same shell. Yeah. If it's the Crokey's Naya, was it the Naya? Yeah, adventure? I think I watched him playing Naya. Yeah. So what we learned about adventures with Escape to the Wilds was that adventure cards play awesome with Escape to the Wilds because you can play the cheap adventure mode or the creature, and there's always, you can always do one or the other. You never lack a target, right? You can always play the creature or the escape mode, and so you never burn your spells. Showdown works the same way, but Showdown also benefits you for playing creatures because it builds your creatures up and makes them awesome. So... I, I agree. Hitting the Embercleave is the worst thing happening in that deck. Hitting Henge when you can't cast it was also very painful. So what I'm doing a lot more with my Showdown decks, I, I like, God, that deck, that Naya Adventures plus Showdown of the Scalds, it's basically what it is. Naya Adventures, lots of Eldraine, and Showdown of the Scalds and the Great Henge. Like, that deck is really a nightmare for control. It just outgrinds every form of control so hard because it has so much card advantage but what i found is it struggles to close um and so i think that if you are running showdown with any kind of a creature deck even an adventure one a few haste creatures go a long way like a long way and phoenix of ash is my favorite by far because you can play it from the graveyard you can hose rogues and it um and you can just play it from your hand and start piling counters on it and get in for like five get in for six uh, the turn, like on a good Scald's turn, so that you're not just rebuilding every turn while the opponent, if they can find a card advantage engine and a way to deal with your board, then you just keep going back and forth and there's no close. But a few haste creatures go a long way. You know, it's like the old Teamer Adventure problem. It was kind of the same way that deck was 
incredible at generating a lot of advantage. It could even put a lot of creatures on the board, but yeah, the closing power was weak, and that was why it employed things like, you know, fling from the sideboard to finish your opponent off. Yeah, I, I have another showdown deck that's kind of a ramp deck, and that has Kazool's Fury and Beanstalk Giant for the for the close. Yeah, so yeah. what we learned from Adventures applies a lot to Showdown of the Skulls. It does, it does. And, you know, I have to say that, yeah, many of the same lessons apply. When I was watching Crokey's play the deck, you know, it was... I mean, you have to remember, like, the Teamer Adventures list was playing in a meta with Embercleave. It was playing in a meta with Oro. It was there with Omnath. Yeah, with Omnath. I mean, it, it actually it fought it all, man. It, it actually Cat did oven. play Omnath, right? But but the list didn't play a lot of those cards. The the list wasn't playing Uro. It wasn't. I mean, some people played Nissa. I never thought that was a good idea. But but and the reason for that is just that it had to be really really focused on its core game plan. And I think that this showdown deck is the same. I think that you can't be faffing about with too many like fancy kind of top end cards. I like what you outlined CGB where like showdown is your top end. And so what you need to do is just figure out a way to leverage that so that you can kill your opponent in one or two really uh, powerful turns. So really like that. That's that's really awesome. But, you know, the shepherd showdown combination does let you grind. So it's yeah, it's really um, looking to be one of the current forerunners in the format. Okay, so let's talk about some other stuff. You mentioned haste creatures, and we would be remiss if we didn't speak about one of the other top cards that people have been on from this new format, and that is Goldspan Dragon. And, you know, we were high on this card in the set review. I think most people who've looked at it have been pretty high on it. It has not disappointed so far, and and so I think that the real question is simply... What is the best shell or what are a couple of the top shells that we want to be running Goldspan Dragon in? So a good place to start with that and a place where everyone and their uncle started with it was LSV's Is It uh, deck. And it was basically built around that idea that you were outlining uh, in the set review that we did CGB where it's like counter dragons, right? You're playing kind of a tempo, tempo control game. So, you know, the idea is that you're playing um, some Sort Cummings. You can play Disdainful Stroke, which is now in the format, just super gas. You can play Negates. These are all two mana counters so that when that dragon drops and you get the treasure, you can immediately leave up counter magic. You can also do things like uh, have Brazen Borrower in your deck. So that's just to give you other things to do with that mana. Uh, so one and two mana interactive spells become really, really good when you have cards like Goldspan Dragon in your deck. That deck list, I mean, just just look it up. You'll find it easily. That was kind of a first draft that a lot of people started with Goldspan Dragon and, you know, seemed to do pretty well. Seemed to be like a good level one deck in the format. Did you play with it? I have not. To be honest, okay. that, that particular build of it didn't interest me very much. I spent an hour in Is It Gold Span Land after you tweeted it. So if you want to find it, check the Arena Podcast Twitter, because that's where I found it. So I had a lot of issues with it for best of one. My cards just never lined up right. And I, I was flooding out a lot. Like a lot, a lot. It was it was kind of it was kind of brutal for me. And and that's pretty normal for an early kind of an early tempo deck. Like I remember playing Simic Flash and having a lot of these issues until it got refined a bit. I, I think that in best of one, if you're going to win with a tempo style deck on the draw, you 
every card has to be playable. And cards like Disdainful Stroke, Negate, and Essence Scatter just missed too often. They were the wrong thing at the wrong time. So I got into Lofty Denial, and I haven't regretted Lofty Denial. That that card has been pretty good. And I want more Faceless Havens because I want my lands to do things, but you also have, you're in the pinch of you need double blue and you need double red, so it's kind of hard. So we talked about that. But maybe you just run a higher land count, but then you flood out even more. So the deck has some issues, and I'm trying to figure out how to solve them. If, if it really is something like, it doesn't seem like a tempo card at all, but Maze Mind Tome, which would also be something else to do with the mana that would help keep things going. But I'm not sure yet. I feel like there's something still missing from that deck. You know, it reminds me a lot of another Is It deck, which LSV had a soft spot for, which is the um, Arclight Phoenix. The Arclight right? Phoenix. I forgot the yep. name of it. Yeah, Arclight Phoenix deck. So it shares some of the features of that deck in that it can be very tempo y. It can have these swingy, kill you out of nowhere turns. It can also have some super mopey draws and does tend to, you know, reward a high skill level. Uh, also tends to reward people who like gambling, so <laughs> that does describe a lot of top magic players for sure. So I can understand why they would gravitate toward the deck. But yeah, I, I have also found, I mean, just looking at the deck list, I was like, man, consistency is going to be an issue with this deck. So maybe not the place we end up, or maybe the list just needs to be tuned. So I'll talk about a deck that I, my first take of a Goldspan Dragon deck was and, and I was playing some combos of cards which a lot of other people also thought about. I, I thought I was kind of clever, but then I realized everyone was thinking about stuff like this. But but one of the combos I was excited to try to exploit was Jaspira Sentinel with Magda, the Brazen Outlaw. Yeah, yeah. So Jaspira Sentinel, definitely cool card that you should be thinking about, which could definitely show up somewhere in Standard, which is this 1-2 Reach, and it lets you tap other creatures to generate one mana of any color. So it's a mana dork, and, you know, it has a cool, uh, a few cool combos in the format. So Magda is one of them. You can curve turn 1 Sentinel into turn 2 Magda, and then immediately produce two mana essentially because you tap your summoning sick magda magda makes a treasure and the jaspira makes mana so that's a pretty gassy curve right if you go something like sentinel into magda into bone crush your opponent's turn two play or whatever that's a pretty nasty start to a game of magic right i i want to go into the archives i i feel like this was a card that you gave me crap for wanting to read it on the set review i, th I thought it was the other way man no, no, I, I think I think I'm in the right. Really? On this one. I, I, I think I want. I think you were like, okay, CGB wants to read this card for some reason. All right, maybe so. Maybe I, I'm so. not positive. I'm not positive though. There's a dagger for someone. I we, we need to. Someone was on the fans, wrong side of this card. Fans, go check the archives. Go, go look it up. <laughs> check the tape. <laughs> <laughs> prove prove one of us wrong. Um, but at any rate, yeah, this this card definitely has potential. Um, another combo which I saw that was very cool as well was the Sentinel with Kinnon, mm -hmm. which is just a pretty juicy little combo. But I, I didn't myself play that. I saw some other people playing it. So so my deck had that as a basis. I was also running Gilded Goose because, first of all, I like the, the fact that you can tap a goose with the Sentinel and still make mana. So even if you've used your food token to produce mana with the goose so i was you know running these various dorks 
And then I was running the Goldspan Dragon. I was also running Gadrak, my, my boy Gadrak. Okay, okay. And so I liked... The, here's a few things I liked about Gadrak. Uh, first of all, it can trade with a Lovestruck Beast. So that's kind of nice if you just need that defense against like a fast, hard-hitting Gruul deck. Second of all, I, I really liked Gadrak. I actually generated a fair amount of treasure off of Gadrak and found it to be surprisingly relevant. I also like being able to go, you know, turn turn three Gadrak or even turn two Gadrak into a next turn Great Henge. So that's a fun little thing you can do. And okay. furthermore, in a deck that's running both Gilded Goose and Magda, you're making a fair amount of artifacts that might actually allow your Gadrak to start attacking. So okay. that was the theory, anyway. That that This was the idea that I was playing with in the deck. Um, it's also a dragon that you can fetch up, although Goldspan Dragon is also a dragon. So, so, that's, so I was doing this kind of like gruel dragons list. I had a lot of fun with it. It had some very explosive games. It also had some pretty mopey games. Uh, any deck which runs a significant number of mana docks can just have terrible games where you just draw all your docks and you don't draw anything else. My question is, what did you do with all the mana? Yeah, I, I did not come up with really compelling things to do with all the mana. That that was my fear. I was running, so I was running the Great Henge and I was also running Embercleave. So the theory, what I was hoping to do was to generate incidental mana, get some of my threats down early. If I needed to, put some of that extra mana into like casting Embercleave on a turn when I was attacking. I, I had some very nasty turns of like Goldspan Dragon, Goldspan Dragon, Embercleave, where you just basically kill your opponent out of nowhere. So those two cards play very nicely together. But I was I was hoping to just do things like make a bunch of mana, chain a bunch of like mana docks onto you know the great hand draw a bunch of cards kind of keep it going but i i agree i don't i don't think that i fully fleshed it out i didn't really have like a top end or other things to do with the treasures i was hoping to just do things like sack extra treasures to get more dragons stuff like that it didn't really come together but it was you know, but it, it was a first draft that I did anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's it sounds like a gruel adventure deck without the adventures. So less card advantage. So you run out of stuff to do. So we we need a we need to sink that mana into something productive. Yeah. I actually think Showdown of the Skulls would have been pretty good in the deck. Interesting. Interesting. I, I I'm thinking like Primal Might. I actually was running that, yeah, because yeah, it's a good okay. combo. I was also running the uh the Tusk Elephant as well the battle mammoth oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah that card that card didn't really go anywhere for me so anyway um what what were you doing with goldspan dragon and or jaspira sentinel i'd be curious to hear so i also had the jaspira sentinel kinnon magda grouping and i add the asika the god of the tree which is the one for that taps itself and gives for a man of any color and gives all your legendary creatures the ability to have vigilance and tap for a man of any color and if you combine that with kinnon uh kinnon taps for two mana and asika taps for two mana if you combine it with magda magda taps for a mana and then produces a treasure that taps for another mana so these are all kind of similar to what you were doing without the Gadrak, uh, but these t these are a bunch of two and three drop creatures, along with the Sentinel, which is a one drop, that tap 
just for a ton of mana. And then what we were using the mana to do was play Goldspan Dragon, Terror of the Peaks, and Genesis Ultimatum. <laughs> I also had a Perforos multiple multiple Kazimas because you can crew your Magda with the, for the Omen Keel and make a treasure with it. And that was okay. But um, I also had Clothis. I had a number of gods and the World Tree, which I did actually activate with a Terror of the Peaks on the battlefield to kill my opponent. That was not the worst. Um, and I, I hate the World Tree still, but actually I don't hate it. I hate... I hate the perception that it's broken, that some people have, because I like the card. Yeah, the card is 100% like Timmy Heaven. It, it's perfectly cool card. I, I, I hated the kind of this is going to have to get banned hype that was around it, at least in the YouTube circle. That was a thing. No, I, I think that that was clickbait hype, to be honest, and or just poor card evaluation i mean i admit like i was excited about the card and i was excited about the implications especially to fix all your mana but broken is a, that's a that's a strong word and uh, i don't i don't think any sober mage looking at that card would think you know in, in standard anyway i i just don't i don't think so but yeah that that's one thing i did with the dragon to kind of try to stay on dragon task um i I also played the is it list and we talked about kind of some of the issues I had with that. What I found most is that you stop trying to maximize the dragon and you just play it as a freaking good card and it's a really good card. So like I just have it in gruel with very few other cards and it's really good to have an evasive haste threat. When you say dangerous. few other cards, do you mean few other new cards? You're just like... Yeah, I, yeah, few other new cards. All, all the Eldraine all-stars and adventure cards you know, Brushfire Elemental and Goldspan Dragon. And I, I started that deck with Snakeskin Veil and Inscription of Abundance and like cards that I thought would play really well with the dragon. Those just got cut over time for being too narrow and not quite what I wanted to do. The dragon itself is just mana and an evasive haste body is good it's just a solid card i think it's just a card that you're going to consider in any red deck that has any interest in attacking my favorite one is uh rakdos ramp so big red like the iron craig fee ugin deck i'm just splashing for black now so i can play valky so i can also iron craig fee into tybalt the imposter and I'm I'm just Goldspan Dragon is like an awesome bridge if you don't have Iron Craig feet. You just you you play it, you attack, you make the treasure. The next turn, even if they deal with the dragon with a targeted spell, yeah, you have Ugin or Tybalt. Like it's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's it's just solid, man. It's just a really good card. It generates value. It's hard for your opponent to I mean, they basically have to counter it. Or you get some amount of value out of it. And yeah, as it turns out, 4-4 four, four Hasty Flying Dragons are just pretty good cards still in Magic. So yeah, I, I think I think that this card is just going to be a consideration moving forward. You know, you're making a red deck and you just think about putting the dragon in it because it's good. Do you think red aggro, like like low curve mono red, is going to do the sideboard juke where they bring in like a Shatter Skull smashing or two from the sideboard to up their land count and they bring in Goldspan Dragons to go bigger? It could happen. It could happen. It could be fun. I mean, we even have, there's the, uh, there's the Chandra from M21, which yeah. admittedly she's not nearly as good 
as our Chandra 4, Torch of Defiance. But we did see in previous standard formats, we saw these these like red or Rakdos aggro decks pivot into more of a dragon planeswalker game in the previous formats. And I, I wonder if something like that might be possible as a juke you, in some of these. You know what's decks. a lot better in a straight up, like just a straight up card to card than the Chandra? Yeah, lay it on me. The the horn. Bergie's oh, horn. Bergie's horn. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. That that's cards, a lot better. That card's gas, for sure. Yeah, well, okay, so there's two things that we could talk about here. One is 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 the Valky Tybalt, and the other one is Bergie. Which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's go Tybalt. Okay, so Tybalt, just like off the dome, were you as pleased with Tybalt as you expected to be? Tybalt's awesome. Yeah, Tybalt's gas. I was let down something we got wrong but it's okay i think every freaking podcast got this wrong is that if we transform the tibble into the creature it's or, or if we transform the valky into the creature it's stole they still get it back. then they still get it back i i still don't get why that's the case people basically went off being judges and some were even like i don't understand why you find this so hard you know like some people were like really elitist about it this is really obvious how this works it's not obvious you can you can shove that right back down your throat. Yeah, it's no there there are some cards which have abilities like this where it doesn't like where you don't get the card back. It feels like it, yeah. Yeah. No, there are or, or there are other combinations people will do where they'll do something like uh you know, like a deputy of detention, but then you transform the deputy into like another permanent type or something and then and then they don't get it back. So Yeah. Yeah, it's something about it's something about like state based interactions. Blah and, blah blah, judge, blah blah blah. Yeah, all of this stuff. It's it's the kind it's also the kind of stuff which will explain things like why you can't mutate onto Nissa lands the way you want to. Yeah, now it's like, okay, we know. Yeah. We know. I'm done now. Yeah, we just it's accept fine. it. Right. That's the it's way it okay. works. Yeah. Please, we don't need to lecture me about how stupid I was. I for me, honestly, I I can't I can't usually trust what the community tells me is going to happen anyway, so I just have to theory about it and then play it on arena. And it's unfortunate that it didn't work the way we wanted, because if it did, it would be um I think a a lot better. But it's still really good. Yeah. Really good. So uh, I'll just briefly cover, again, my, my favorite shell to play Valky slash Tybalt in has been this uh, Soltai deck that I've been playing. And so I'll just take this opportunity to describe the deck. It's actually the, the deck that you, CGB, caught me playing on stream when you stopped by to say hi on Early Ooh, Access. Yeah. CGB came in at the perfect time. I just resolved an Alvin's epiphany, and I was freaking burning my opponents to death, bringing honor to the dojo, as it were. But this deck was basically, I wanted to play the cards Valky slash Tybalt and Binding the Old Gods. I was thinking about what shell would I put those into, and at first I was thinking Jund, but then the more I thought about it, I was actually more excited to play Blue, so then I went into like a Sultai build. Uh, so I was playing Binding, I was playing Goose. I had this idea of wouldn't it be powerful to have a curve like Goose, into cultivate into binding the old gods into any big spell right like into tybalt or emergent ultimatum which i ended up building the deck around i just thought that that seemed like like who could keep up with a curve like that that sounded really compelling to me so i so i put together this shell and there were a couple of things i really liked first of all you can cast tybalt off of an emergent ultimatum 
which is absolute <laughs> gas. It is absolute gas. Especially if they don't know it. Yep. Like, because you reveal the Valky, right? Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Oh, so there were a lot of Tybalt's cast, let me tell you. This deck casts a lot of Tybalt. I was running this deck with one Mountain and one Ketria Triome, which you can fetch with Binding mm. the Old Gods. And that, it. that is more than enough to let you hard cast your Tybalt, especially with Gilded Goose. Did you have any pathways that just like were red on one side? Because you can do that too. Yeah, you can you, do you that. Like there's even more. Exactly. I thought about it, but you didn't need it. So splashes, I think that there are a lot of decks in the format that can run Valky and play Tybalt without needing any other red cards in the deck. You know, it's just a, it's an easy thing to do in the format. So, and then a few other things I was running, Alaron's Epiphany. I did end up running the Burning Rune Demon, one copy of that. And the deck has been surprisingly potent. So it's become like my kind of pet deck in the format and I'm playing it on the ladder. It's been doing pretty well in Platinum. We'll see how far it gets. Is it a Yorian deck? It is not a Yorian deck. You're missing out, man. You could have 20 more cards for that toolbox. <laughs> we could. I, I thought about it. I was actually considering it the other day. I'll tell you what though, CGB. I've come back around. So I've been playing a lot of Yorian and Historic, side note. And I've finally started to get tired of the lack of consistency in some of these Yorian decks. It's so <sighs> funny. With That's a lie. That's a lie. You just had bad draws. It's a lie. The consistent. Don't let the consistency crazies get to you, man. There's no such thing as consistency issues in an 80-card deck. It's a lie. Don't let them. They, they just. It's just the people who have never played the 61st card, man. They're haters. They're just haters. They're haters. It's funny because I feel like the thought process went something like, oh, 80 card decks are never going to work. And then it was like, oh, wow. They still find their ECDs and their Shadows of the Skies consistently. And then for a while, it was like, 80 card decks don't even matter. It's just like 60 cards. Why wouldn't you play an 80 card deck? And then finally, I've come back around to like, Okay, damn it, I just scried 10 times and I still can't find my board wipe. You're just doing it wrong, that's all. I, 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 maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> this deck has been really fun for me. Uh, his, this is my favorite squeeze, all right? My favorite squeeze of this deck is you cast Important Card Your Opponent Doesn't Want You to Resolve, Burning Rune Demon, and Alrin's Epiphany. Oh, you're talking with the ultimatum. The ultimatum, correct. Yeah, okay, sorry. you're playing emergent ultimatum and fetching three cards, and one is the important thing opponent doesn't want, Burning Rune Demon and Alrun's Epiphany. Exactly. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I, I wasn't clear about that. So, so you cast your ultimatum, you choose those three cards, and now your opponent's in a bind because if they select the card you don't want to resolve, then you Burning Rune Demon and you take another turn and you select mm -hmm. two other cards with the Burning Rune Demon. And so this is, here's a good example. I had a board state where I was playing against a deck with a... It was a, actually an Obosh deck. And they had a wide board. They were about to drop Obosh and kill me. So I needed to get Extinction Event. So what I did was I, I cast the Ultimatum and I selected Event, Alrin's Epiphany, Burning Rune Demon. They let me resolve the Epiphany and the Demon. And then with the Demon, I got Ugin and Extinction Event. And so they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. Oh, that's, yeah. I, I was going to say another thing you could do there is have a Balaged Recovery 
and with like there with the demon just go fetch extinction event and recovery but the, ugin's fine that's yeah. fine <laughs> but these, these are the kind of things that you can do and that's what that's i awesome. th so the combination of alrin's epiphany and burning rune demon give you these back doors into putting your opponent it's like if the first squeeze didn't work you get another squeeze so anyway these are the play patterns of this deck that i've been really enjoying so um a final note another card that we've been uh, excited about which i ended up cutting from this deck was kasima god of the voyage so mm -hmm. i wanted to talk a little bit about my challenges with this card and i wanted to check in with you and see how kasima has been performing for you because this was definitely a front runner for maybe like both of our favorite card in the set or certainly in the top five so i was running kasima and i ended up cutting it because I found it really hard to fit into my curve, and I also found it really hard to find good places to play it and have a reasonable chance that it would survive. It's possible that one of the problems is just that Kasima's not very good in a deck that runs very few creatures because it's just like whatever removal spell your opponent had waiting in their hand is just going to hit the Kasima the moment it hits the battlefield. So it could just be that you need to play it either in a deck with protection or other creatures that your opponent might need to kill or just some other shell that I haven't thought about. But the only matchups where I ended up finding Kasima really potent in were like Gandalf matchups. And here was, here was what was really good. It was playing a turn one Goose and then playing a turn two Kasima. And having the opponent literally, like, if they didn't have a glass casket or if they didn't have some other really cheap removal in those colors, then the Kasima would flip. And once the Kasima flips, you're basically going to win that control matchup. Yeah. Turn two kill. Yeah. So I ended up thinking that Kasima was very, very good against... Uh, I, I think of Kasima as almost like a like Narset Potter of Veils or like a Teferi 3 in that matchup where it's an early play that you can make, which if you can fit it around your opponent's counter magic, maybe play it on turn four with, with Mystical Dispute backup, something like that. If you can sneak that card by your opponent, then you just put yourself so far ahead. But I found it to be pretty underperforming against like decks that ran black removal. It felt super awful to slam it and have your opponent Elspeth's Nightmare and take it out. So the question is not, how good is it if you keep it? Because it's amazing when you keep it. The question is, how have you been fitting it in, CGB? I've tried pretty much... This, this has got to be my most played card in the set. I've tried it in everything. If I look at like my deck thing, I've got blue-white Yorian Blink with four Kasima. I've got Grixis with Valky and four Kasima. I've got Rogues with the only new card being four Kasima. I've got Demir Control. I've got Sultai Ramp. Like, it, I, I've played this card everywhere. Here's what I found. The card is, first of all, uh, can be a very bad late game top deck. So that's, that's ugly. And the, here's the main issues. The first one is pretty straightforward. The Omen Keel isn't a good card if it's your only creature. So you need more creatures in your deck if you want the Omen Keel to be a good card. The 2-4 body is not a good card if it's the only source of card advantage in your deck. Because even if you exile it, if you're not consistently drawing more lands, you're not doing it. You still have to hit every land drop. And to do that, you need to draw more cards. And you just played a card that doesn't draw cards in itself in Cosima, you know, it doesn't get you a card up front. So that's awkward. So 
you need to build a deck where if you want the bat if you want the body the two four to work you need other sources of card advantage like maze momentum i just wanted to interject land advantage as a way to do it so one of the theories in my deck was was if you go kasima into like cultivate or into binding the old gods that's another way that you can skin that cat but anyway continue so that's what you have to do to make the two four good it's not just good on its own so to make the Omen Keel good, you need more creatures. You need to be able to play bodies when you want to play bodies. Because here's what I found. You need to be able to play Kosima one way, like either way. Because if you're priced into one way, you'll probably be exploited for it. If you're playing against somebody with Elspeth's Nightmare, you need to play the Omen Keel. And you need to be able to crew an attack with it so that you get something good out of it. Because the Omen Keel is awesome. Like, you... Yeah, you just start hitting the opponent, and you might never miss a land drop for the rest of the game. I've had, like, six lands just sitting in exile waiting for me to need them, which sounds like a lot extra. But when you're up against blue-white control, foretell control in this case, you're pretty, you're way ahead in that, in that matchup uh, if you have all those land drops. One and hit your next, is enough. Yeah, yeah and, and your future Kosimas. They have no problem being charged. So the problem of drawing Kosama in the late game and having it be a bad top deck isn't really a problem if you have like six lands just waiting to turn into card draw, right? So you need the Omen Kill to be good. That means that your typical kind of control or ramp deck needs more creatures that can crew the freaking Omen Kill. So my my decks are playing a lot more. I mean, you didn't need to like twist my arm to get me to play Shark Typhoon, but that's a pretty good crew. Good combo. It's a good curve too. Turn two and then turn three, make a one one shark. Yep. Oh, especially if they're holding like a counter or they foretold a saw it coming or they have a doom scar, right? Like like they really don't like that uncounterable one one shark crewing the omen keel. But I'm also just did we need to make adventure creatures better? Because instead of playing traditional removal spells, I'm just raising the adventure creature count. Fey of Wishes, Giant Killer, you know, um, Brazen Borrower, Murderous Rider, Bone Crusher. Like all, all these are better now because you have a body to crew the Omen Kill when you need it or you have a spell. You know, isn't that kind of a gas curve actually going uh, Heart's Desire into Omen Kill into the Beast? Like it's not the worst. That sounds like a pretty gassy little curve. <laughs> it's not the worst at all. Yeah. Uh, maybe Brushfire Elemental is better, but Omen Kill's Omen Kill does not suck. That card is for real. It's probably the best vehicle we have. Although we'll get to another one. Kosima doesn't just go in decks. You have to adjust a lot of your cards to make Kosima good. And if that is worth it, is yet to be determined because there's a serious price to cutting Eliminate and playing Murderous Rider and cutting Heartless Act and playing Giant Killer. But uh, right now, like, it's still, to me, one of the most fun cards in the set. So the honeymoon phase is on, and I'm still having fun figuring out how to make it work. Well, it's, it's just good to know that it's not, like, it's not a gold span dragon. It's not a questing beast. It's not one of these cards that's just kind of self-contained, good on its own, always good if you have the mana to cast it, right? Like, you have to, you have to be, you really have to fit it in. It has to fit into your plan. It has to fit into your curve. You have to address all the issues that CGB outlined. It's not good with counter spells, to be honest. At least not in the main deck. You've got to have the bodies. Yeah. You, know? you gotta you gotta be able to go on the vehicle plan of turn two vehicle, turn three creature. Right. So on the control front, let's talk about another one of the most hyped cards in the set. 
Doomscar. 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 So I'm sure that you are playing some Doomscar CGB. How did it go? When people are running giants and angels and clerics and you just Doomscar them, it's, it's kind of... I mean, that these are the people who are cr- calling for Doomscar to be banned and calling it the end of the world, right? Because they their their dream in life is to play four creatures that don't have haste and all synergize with each other and form a party, right? And and that's just not going to happen in a Doomscar world. But it it's a great card. You should definitely play it. But like it doesn't fit with it doesn't fit with a lot of the things we've been talking about. It's not great against. Uh, Showdown of the Scalds, and if Showdown of the Scalds has a haste creature follow-up, they get you. It's not great against the Omen Keel. The Omen Keel will get you. It's not great against Tybalt. That's for sh- I mean, you might blow up the Valky, but then Tybalt comes down if it's later in the game. Uh, Goldspan Dragon gets its money. You know, it, it hits you. So, like, the good players are going to find all of these ways to just basically outmaneuver Wraths. They always have. Wraths are probably... I'm curious how you feel about this. I am a control player. I love Wraths, but I play them mostly out of necessity, not because I feel like they are the be Like, that is my dream, is to have a bunch of Wraths in my deck. I would prefer not to play Wraths at all. I play them because when I'm on the draw, it's the only way to catch up if your opponent plays three creatures in a row. Like, that's it. Um, and I think that Wraths, Sweepers... Um, board wipes, I think they're the most overrated cards in Magic. In my opinion, by new players. I think new players, like, they get their board wiped for the first time, and they're like, this is stupid, this is busted, and they think that they're just the most important thing. And that's been kind of the feedback I get from my community really often, is that Wraths are amazing, and that this one is broken. And my take is that Wraths are only necessary because there's still players out there who just play nothing but creatures, but for the most part, they're not that good. I, I think you nailed it. You know, Doomscar is only going to be as good in the format as Wraths are in the format. And I agree that, like, it's, it's just not much of a Wrath format right now. It's like you go down all of the good decks. Try resolving a Wrath against Rogues. That's a lol. Gruul has proved that it can just safely... Gruul can handle multiple Wraths and still keep going. Um, and yeah, yeah, the the Wrath exactly versus Showdown of the Scalds matchup, I don't want to be on, on the Doomscar side of that. But I don't think that it's any negative reflection on Doomscar. I mean, it's still just a fantastic Wrath, right? Yeah, we know how this works, and players who are experienced know how to beat it. It, it works the same way. But you're totally right that if an archetype like Giants, for example, starts to become more played, then Doomscar is a very, very nice. That That's why it's not happening. That's why. It's, <laughs> so let's talk about this, because I'm sure that both you and I had the same experience of rolling some Giants decks in the early access event. Yeah, Giants and Angels, man. Uh, these <laughs> these mid-range tribal, like, put my creatures on the board and maybe they'll do something next turn. Mm-mm. It's just mm-hmm. not it's not happening too so easy, man. Giant suffers from all of the problems that we thought it was going to. Just it's namely that, you know, your giant curve starts at three, basically. So you're kind of faffing about until turn three. And then the rest of the giants you play don't really catch you up. You know? They're like they're fine, they're okay. Some of them aren't embarrassing, but like it's you're just not really doing anything special. And the deck doesn't really have an engine. 
And we've known for a long time that just slamming a 5-4 for 5 mana is just not really going to do it for you in Magic. So it basically hasn't solved any of the potential issues that we expected the deck to have. Yeah, a Quakebringer trigger has not killed me. I, I have played a lot with the Giants as well because the most requested deck from the new set was Is It Giants? So I built that and played that and I, I lost with every variation of it absolutely every single one and eventually ended up with like a giant control deck where the giants were thrix the sudden storm because as flash it makes my shark typhoon cheaper <laughs> and uh also by the way that's a good combo with a uh, squash because it makes a five five shark for one mana with thrix <laughs> and shark typhoon uh but anyway that that was like as close as i came to a functional deck and it, it th th that was it for bone crusher giant Two Thrix. Those were the giants. And then the best giant in the set, by far, for Faceless Haven. <laughs> there you go. Faceless Haven, solid, solid card. Yeah, any deck that runs enough snow and can afford to have a colorless land in its mana base should definitely be considering that card. Good in aggro, good in control. Just good, good card. The most success I had with giants was playing, it was basically like a teamer ultimatum, Genesis ultimatum deck with... It, just like you were saying, a handful of giants. And I was, you know, I did run like some invasion of the giants. That card was decent. Yeah, but the, I, I still maintain that the giants are bad and that card is okay. Yes. But but how about Glimpse of the, Glimpse the Cosmos? Is that it? Yeah. That card is good. It's good. It's good, yeah. I mean, in, in the deck, if you are playing giants, I think that card, I, both of those cards, the, the Saga and the card draw one, both very, very good. Side note, CGB, it just tilts me to no end that we have Glimpse the Cosmos and Behold the... What? Multiverse. Behold the Multiverse. I will never, I will never get those two straight in my head. <laughs> Glimpse the Multiverse. Behold the Cosmos. Just say... Just say giant dig through time and glimmer of foretold or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's too much, man. It's too much. I feel like don't we also have like we already have like peer into the void and or whatever, like other cards like that. There are all these blue card joy spells. So whatever, man. They're stretching. I said in a joke that they're eventually going to end up at look at space. That's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be a card, man. <laughs> Whoa! It's just gonna be, it's just gonna be big like eyes, a, open mouth. Whoa! Like a really stoned-looking goblin or something. <laughs> yeah, bingo. <laughs> but I agree with you. Both of those cards are good. Um, but to round out the deck, I was also trying the Trolls Saga. Wake the trolls. Oh, wake wake the trolls. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was figuring that the best shell to run that in would be uh, a uh, Genesis Ultimatum deck. And it did some it did some cool stuff. Yeah, it was all right. Somebody tried to blow up all my lands and they got Dream Trawler. <laughs> Very nice. It was okay. Very nice. The sickest thing I did with it was I had that Chapter 3 of the saga go off with uh, Terror of the Peaks on the field. Yeah, that, that killed my opponent real quick. Bang. <laughs> Okay then. All so, right. Okay. That that was a fun time, but yeah, that that jury's still out on that card. It's gonna have to show up in a specific place. Okay, so that's giants. Um, angels. Here's the only anecdote I have about angels tribal. I was playing a Yorian sagas deck. Yes. And my Yorian sagas deck beat the pants off of an angel tribal deck, 
And I'll tell you why. I just made more angels. <laughs> That's, that's what. It. So that's what I was gonna say. My my only good angel deck is a Yorian deck <laughs> yeah, designed yeah. to blink the hell out of the angel things. <laughs> exactly. And and everybody's like, "Oh, you're corrupting it. This is supposed to be angel tribal. Why do you have to put sky noodle in everything? It's the only way to get enough value. You have to have an engine. Like if you aren't engine blinking these sagas, if your strategy is make a a two four and a four four flyer and attack the opponent for three turns." You're gonna fail. It's not gonna work. It was it was embarrassing to be honest. It was embarrassing. I I had a game where I had both uh, Fierge's Retribution and Rampage of the Valkyries on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, man, a mid range creature deck cannot keep up with Rampage of the Valkyries. That's true. This Angels deck was in the squeeze. They had like they had whatever their own the, the Black Valkyrie out and they had some other angel out. And I was attacking with these, you know, with my Sarah Angels. And they were like mousing over the rampage of the Valkyries and they were like, "Great, if I block one of these angels, I lose both of my creatures." Great. If I like if I attack into their angels and they block with one angel, I lose two of my angels. It was just like they they what were they going to do? They could not engage in combat or kill my angels for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I I do the five casting cost just gets me because it's like it's great if you're just on the play and running over your opponent. It's bad if you really needed a Kaya or an Elspeth Conqueror's death in that spot and you know you want the Yorian. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I'm not necessarily advocating for the card, but I will say that in that matchup, in the matchup where every creature your opponent plays matters and they spent like three to five mana on, and you have the Rampage of the Valkyries down and you're making an army of angels, like it puts your opponent in a real tough spot. They basically just can't enter combat. Oh, yeah. And if if they have a removal spell in their hand, but a creature they hope to keep around, they're just kind of like if their plan was to eliminate your angel token. Now it's like they lose their creature for doing it. I've I've been there. I, I was in a tough spot against an, uh, Rampage of the Valkyries and Fiora's Retribution uh, tag team against an angel Abzan Yorian deck. Fortunately, Fae of Wishes fetches Ugin. There, there is a time when you want to fetch the Ugin. That was it. Yeah. You know? So. I mean, Ugin still goes over the top of Yorian decks. That's a thing that hasn't changed. Yeah, people who complain about Yorian, they who also complain about Ugin, just haven't embraced. They they clearly have no idea how to beat Yorian. You just you Ugin them, and if you don't know how to beat Ugin, you just play cheaper cards so that an eight drop doesn't matter. Binding the old gods, bro. Like there's a way to beat everything. That that's one that's the cool part about the format right now. That's what I'm doing these days. I'm like, oh, cute Ugin binding the old gods. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. But yeah, so Fierge's retribution. Then, how did you end up coming down on that card? Meh. It's okay, right? It's, it's okay. It's it's four mana for a four four that dies a lot. So if you don't blink it, then you don't get anything. So you got to have a way to abuse it um, somehow. Yeah, I, I think Yorian is the only way to play that card currently, and I'm not convinced that it's the best thing to be doing with Yorian. So. You're not out here for the Flicker of Fate? <laughs> <laughs> I have run flicker, flicker of Fate in my Yorian decks. That's a thing I've done. Okay, okay. For, for bigger payoff, though, that was like a, a Demonic Pact deck. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, so we're both kind of medium on that. Let's see what else. How did we feel? Uh, did Redain impress you? 
Redain is one of those cards when you play it, you feel like nothing is happening, but you have no idea how it affects your opponent. Yeah. So it never feels... It, it's never the same feels goods. The only thing, the only reward you get for Redain is when you play it and your opponent like untaps and then just sits there for a long time and then you see them hover over Redain. Yeah. And then they're reading the card and you're like, I got you. <laughs> that That's the only time you know. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's a good card. Uh, just side note, a place where Redain really got me. So they played it, and I was playing my Emergent Ultimatum deck, and Oops. I had and I had nine mana, and I was like, "Sucks to be you." I can still cast my Emergent Ultimatum, and then the the spells resolved, and it taxed me on them, and I was like, "Oh, sucks to be me." <laughs> yeah, you don't get to cast <laughs> so, your spells now. Yep, because because that is a cast trigger, so. Yep. Yeah, uh, Redain's done some read-the-card stuff to me where for some reason I thought I would untap and Valky and be safe and uh, or um, not Valky, um, Tibble, the backside. Yeah. And it's like, uh, nope, that didn't work. <laughs> so, so sometimes it just gets you. I've found a good spot that I found Redain in is to just like throw your opponent off for a turn. Um, it's done that to me before playing against it where like I found a way to deal with it I found a way to get the bot under control but it just like taxed me out of playing a key spell I might have wanted to play on the next turn and a lot of Mm -hmm. times like the white aggressive decks they only need like one extra turn to just get you yeah so it feels like it should be rock solid against Yorian yeah 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 Yorian control any slower deck basically um should be afraid of that card I think um okay another card that i was really i didn't play with it much but i was impressed by it was a seeker's chariot so yeah so here's here's the situation where i was like oh this card is gas so i was playing against a mono green deck and i think i was doing some dirtily yorian blink deck so i played my seeker's chariot my opponent on their next turn played vorinclex they swung in with a hasty Vorinclex. I crewed the chariot and blocked and double blocked with a cat, right? And so I traded the chariot and one cat for my opponent's Vorinclex, and I still had a cat out of the exchange. So if you think about the mana and what happened in that interaction, I was substantially far ahead. And I was like, okay, all right. This is a thing, man. Any stompy deck that's trying to like go over you with big creatures is not going to like to see a Seeker's Chariot on the battlefield. It is a lot of value. I feel like it's another card where I just skim over it in deck building because I don't feel like the payoff's there in my value piles when really all I should be doing it is like the dragon, just put it into good decks and let it do its thing. Like I, I should be trying that in Gruul, you know? Uh and because it is good wrath protection it's a ton of value it's legendary so you don't want too many it's a different card type dodges wraths I, yeah so I, I feel like i should just be trying to do more uh, with the chariot i think it is just a good card it and yeah it, do, it plays so nicely around things like sweepers it also even like if your opponent's trying to do any kind of uh, primal might shenanigans it plays pretty well against those as well it's just it's fairly good against removal. So if your if your opponent's creature deck is trying to like get your blockers out of the way, this is something we've learned from vehicles in the past is that they're just very good at if your opponent's trying to brazen borrow you or if they're yeah trying to kill a blocker and get through like vehicles make it very very difficult. So I found it to be very good on blocking duty. 
there's nothing like adding eight points of power and toughness to the battlefield and making just dorky cards like like it makes skyclave apparition a lot more relevant right if you have these role-playing creatures that are kind of like sitting around and you don't really want them to be tangling with your opponent's stuff then being able to just like pump them into the chariot and, and get there I've, i i found it to be very solid agree yeah uh same as the omen keel more creatures other ways to use them Totally. So let's talk about some things which uh, either didn't work or just we weren't very impressed with. Um, the first one is elves. I haven't lost to elves and I haven't played elves. <laughs> I lost once to elves. It was the very first game I played. And my opponent went like um, the 2-2 elf that makes a 1-1, played like three of those, and then played Harold Unites the Elves and just shredded my board. But since then, I have also not lost to Elves at all and have ended up being fairly unimpressed with it. Mm -hmm, likewise. Yeah. Just doesn't seem to have the curve, doesn't seem to have the power and toughness on the battlefield, doesn't seem to have the Ember Cleave, so it's tough. Yeah, I even had an opponent, they did the thing where they went wide and they activated their 2-2 and buffed the whole team and attacked me, and it still wasn't enough to win the game. So, Also, I have not seen Tyvar Kel on the battlefield, have you? Yeah, uh, I, I laughed at him the whole time. He just didn't do any... He made a 1-1 one, one for like three turns in a row, and then my opponent got just... Their, everything got blown up. Yeah, yeah. Tyvar Kek W for sure. Okay, and then here's some other things that I just didn't... Like, I haven't seen anyone do it yet. Um, the John Snow deck. Yeah. I, no, I, I played against a lot of John in the early access, and I demolished that deck. Yep. I haven't played against anybody who played the staff side. Mm, and yeah. I everything I've learned from Cosimo was that you have to make both sides good and you have to know which matchup you play which side. If you expect your opponent to have a good, line, well-lined-up removal spell, you always play the artifact the side. The staff, yeah. And I haven't seen anybody do it. I've only seen them cast the 3-3 three, three and hope. And I don't think that hope is, hope is not a strategy, as they say. <laughs> no. No. And honestly, the decks I was playing didn't even seem that well set up to take advantage of it anyway. I saw a lot of these kind of unfocused world tree, Jon Snow, God piles, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I kind of wanted to take these players aside and be like, D like does your deck have a plan? And, and, and they're going to be like, my plan is to have fun. Okay, Arjuna, come on, stop being a troll. Stop trying to micromanage my skills. My my deck creativity on day one, bro. Let me let me be my Timmy me. Let me know? be my own rainbow. You know, which is that's fine. fine. I just yeah, it's fine. Squash them and moved on. But when when you're looking for what's good in the format, because your goals are to climb ladder or succeed in tournaments, or you just want to be competitive because it's your nature, like I think we are, then we're going to talk about these decks in kind of context of whether or not they're winning or doing powerful things. And I agree with you. Nobody who's played Jorn against me has done anything to me. I'm still excited to try out my builds, um, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I, I definitely walked away thinking more that people didn't have very good builds than that necessarily that Jorn and the whole snow idea just sucked. Um, I definitely think there's still potential there, but it's not like... It's not just waiting for you. It's not the Omnath deck that just builds itself. I think you really have to figure it out. Another thing I was unimpressed by were... Pretty much all of the gods. I wrote down here in the show notes all of the gods except Kasima. Now that I'm looking at, <laughs> now that I'm looking at that again, um, the, the I was fairly impressed with um, the god of death, Egon. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say the throne of death is a card. 
You just play that sucker. I think th- I think that I um, I undersold that card. I I've played a little more, and I think that that card can be very good. Oh yeah, uh, a Golgari Adventures with the Great Henge in that card, and like Graveyard Fill, like Mire Triton, and Bind. I actually had Bind. What is it? Binding the Titans. Oh the really? Green saga. Yeah. In it? yeah. Yeah. That was pretty fun. It, it did better than expected, uh, but. I don't think that's necessarily a player, but it was really just to showcase Egon, and I think he's I think he's a good card. I don't think he's a broken card. I think he's a good card. When you say gods, you're definitely not talking about Valky, although that does go on the god. I guess camp. that that is... one is also really good. Yeah, Val- Valky. Yeah, I for me, Valky's just a planeswalker. <laughs> if you pop up, if you pop off with Bergy, you have a new understanding of the card. So let's talk about Bergy because. I played against a Bergy deck, which was doing the thing, and it was very powerful, but it was also incredibly slow. It was so slow to get. So they had both sides of Bergy down, and then they were basically just, you know, cantripping. So what colors? Like, what shell? It was, so, yeah, it was probably an Izzet shell. They were playing um, Escape the Underworld. Okay. Oh no! Underworld breach. Underworld breach. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So so it was yeah, a breach. It was a combo. breach combo deck with uh, winning with Thassa's Oracle. Okay. And so that was an example of like a, you know generate all the mana, draw all the cards, have a really long turn, and then resolve the Oracle and win. Um, and they they did. They beat me, but it was only because I misplayed fairly heavily against them. I feel like Bergy is designed to get both sides down. And it's so easy to disrupt that. It's so easy to either kill the creature or kill the five mana artifact before they've had a chance to go off. This is another example of I think people are going to try too hard with this card, yeah. like Goldspan Dragon, and you just want it in a deck. I, I played four Burgies in a mono-red aggro deck. I had a turn where I got Burgie down. I was playing against elves, so I, 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 I play like two or three creatures and I play Burgie. They killed the first like one of my creatures. I think it was a robber of the rich or something. And then I play Bergy. It survives a turn. So I untap and I play like a robber and I play like a Rimrock Knight for plus two plus O oh, and I play a shock and I clear the way and I attack with everything and I exile two cards because I had another robber. And then I cast their Elvish Warmaster and their Jaspera Sentinel because everything you cast makes another mana and you can use mana of any color with the robber of the rich. So I made another one on elf. I, I, I played more elves in the game than they did. <laughs> You know, Bergy, Bergy Robber is a pretty killer combo. Oh, did you know that the um, Jaspera Sentinel, the 1-2, is a rogue? So you can attack with it to get your robber triggers again? That's dope. <laughs> that so, is dope. So, yeah, uh, the the mono, just mono red with, mono snow red with Bergy, I did not lose, and it wasn't close. How many Annexes were you playing? I still had four Annex. So it was eight, three drops in that deck? And Bone Crusher, if you count it. 12 three drops? Yeah. Wow. If you get the Bergy and the Bergy lives, you make the mana. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you have five lands, you can like play Bergy, play another spell and another spell. Like you, you just need a lot of twos, adventures, flexibility. Yeah. Like, I could see that. I could totally see that. Well, and like you said, the if you do, especially in an aggro deck, if you do just get the backside of Bergy down in the late game, like that's pretty dope, especially with all the haste threats in the deck. Like, that's a pretty solid combo where, you know, you just draw a land, you cash it in, maybe you get another robber or something, and you just keep bashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really, like, 
the card is basically an untap and go wild. Reminds me of Runaway Steamkin, but a little bit more expensive, unfortunately. A little less, but still very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that it paid off in just like the straight red aggro deck and felt worthwhile. Oh, yeah, I want to try it in Gruel um, for sure. There's, there's a lot of places I still want to see where it fits in. Um, I don't think it's terrible with like just mid-range. Like I've got a lot of different kind of red-ish mid-range piles that run Bergy and Goldspan Dragon as these two things that just produce extra mana and can pile in value. Yeah. Wouldn't Bergy be really busted with Showdown of the Skulls? Yeah. Haven't tried that. Gotta gotta see what's up with that. Yeah, that that must be something. I mean That's gotta be good. Damn. Alright, so Bergy, confirmed worth playing. We'll keep working with that one. Okay, another deck that I wasn't impressed with was like any Ascendant Spirit deck. Yeah, haven't made it work yet. Didn't perform against me. Very very entertaining to watch other people play them and try to figure out, you know, how to set up the the I, I think the key card with Ascendant Spirit is Rewind. There you go. And, nice and, and it's interesting yeah. to see them try to play Brazen Borrowers and Essence Scatters and try to set up the Rewind turn. Like, it's a very thoughtful magic game, but it doesn't feel broken. Yep, yep. Um, I did play against a decent Spirits deck that was running the Rally the Ranks. Um, and that deck, That card's good. Yeah, Rally the Ranks is good. Keep out. Keep an eye out. All the tribes are real now. It, it's kind of insane. All the tribes. Dogs uh cats why did i go there first <laughs> dogs cats knights um they're they're all real anyway go on <laughs> yeah that that card's definitely playable um definitely you know if your aggro opponent drops that early that's the card you need to hit with your uh you know with your skyclave apparition or whatever so that that looks compelling i don't think it's going to be like standard competitive but that was a spirits deck and they did the thing and it seemed fairly compelling um I ended up being overall unimpressed with Magda, but I'm not sure if we just haven't found the right shell. Like, where did you end up coming down on Magda? Eh. I, I why not, why don't we have a why don't we just have a one mana like two two dwarf with some kind of a deals one damage to you when it attacks downside or something? I don't know. Just something, but just some like we have a one mana one three in white. So we have to be two color, and it's so meh. Make your own curd ape and get a treasure. Like that's pretty good, but yeah, Magda's Magda's an interesting card with other things. Uh, the Sentinel and Kinnon, like, and the World Tree God, like those make Magda just a mana engine, which is weird because I didn't expect my legendary dwarf lord to be a mana engine, but everything is now. So there you go. Yeah, I I feel like. If there is going to be a good Magda shell, it's going to be that. It's not going to be like an attacking focus deck, which does seem weird. But we we haven't we haven't found it yet. I really I need to say really quick with Magda, you have to set your stops on Arena carefully, or you have yeah. to stay in full control mode because yeah. the game won't recognize when you have plays available. Like the auto tapper won't recognize a line like Sentinel tap Magda make treasure for yep. a two mana play, and it will just skip through the phase. So you have to put stops in a lot of places when you play the card. Duh. You have to be mindful. If you might do something with this, you have to put stops. No, you're right. It's it's really annoying. On the Arena Decklist podcast, they've been doing a lot of testing with like the Jasper Sentinel and the Magda and whatever, and they were saying there were all kinds of issues with it. So 
Yep. Yeah, gonna just keep an eye out for that. Okay, um, next card I definitely wanted to talk about before we check out here. I had this in the wildly unimpressive category, In Search of Greatness. So, yeah, CGB, were you at any point impressed playing against this card so far? Yeah, but it, I, I, I still feel that most people aren't are are trying just to play it with some kind of like creature, pot birthing pod go up the chain curve or something yeah. like that, and I just still don't think it's right. I because I think you have to stay gassed up because everybody who played this against me. It was like it was like playing Graft Digger's Cage when the opponent doesn't care about the graveyard. Like you're down a card. You know what I mean? And Scry doesn't replace that. I don't care what people say. It's just a Scry one that happens sometimes. So I was I was able to answer all the creature decks that ran in search of greatness against me pretty easily, even when they looked like they were curve like getting the nuts, you know? But I, I still think the key with this card is staying gassed up with I, treacherous blessing and uh sagas sagas with this are sweet you get chapter one when it enters the battlefield on your upkeep and chapter two on the beginning of your main phase uh, uh just a click later so getting to double chapter really fast is awesome so that's still what i think in search search of greatness is for and i haven't had time to play with it myself but the people that have played it against me and various creature builds have been easily thwarted it's just been absolutely laughable against me so far. I've had people, there was this one deck that drew three of them in like the top 20 cards or something like that. Yeah, that's brutal. And they just like, they kept, they they had like three of them in play. They would resolve a, any other permanent. I would kill it. And then it was just back to scry three on upkeep, play another permanent. I would deal with the permanent. And they just couldn't get anywhere. It was kind of a joke. Can you decline to put something into play for free to get the scry. That's interesting, actually. I think you can, and people kept playing the card for free and then do nothing with their mana. Just take the scry and cast the spell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it says <laughs> you may. Yeah, it is a may. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, totally. like, like, if you have the mana and nothing to do with it, take the frickin' scry, kids. Let's go. Also, nobody played Crawling Barons or Faceless Haven with it. Ever. So they just weren't using they weren't the mana. They weren't using their mana, yeah. I just, I totally agree. You need card advantage if you're going to play this because it just, it doesn't replace itself and no, the scry is not replacing itself. So don't, don't get stuck in that mindset. Yeah, now I will say that Rumty, preeminent mono green mage on Arena at the moment, has been playing a list which features three copies of this card. And last I checked, he was number seven on the ladder. So he is swearing by this in his mono green list. And um, so you can look that up, but it's basically not, it doesn't appear to be doing anything particularly wild. I'll just read down. It's just a bunch of creatures, got questing beasts, Yorvos, Elder Gargaroths. He's got three Vorinclexes, some old growth trolls. Um, he's also playing, you know, three Garricks, three Vivians. A um, couple great henges. So he's uh, basically did exactly what we talked about CGB, where he just took the mono green deck and just raised the curve. So that deck never used to play even. It, it was like really lean, even on five drops. And you know this deck is playing like multiple five drops and multiple six drops. So that that was his approach was just try to play the enchantment and then just power out some higher curve green stuff. 
seems to be working for him. So I guess, you know, we'll we'll check in. We'll have to check in and see if it is viable in the mono green aggro archetype. But I am still just wildly skeptical. Yeah, I understand. And then that card, Vorinclex. Maybe this is the last one that we can go out on. I have not played with Vorinclex. I've played against it a few times. It did hose one Saga deck that I played against. In another deck, it was kind of meh. I wasn't particularly impressed with it. What's your experience been? So I've mostly played it in decks where I wanted one or two high-end haste threats to mop up. Mono green, gruel, things like that. I have not built decks built to exploit it. I would say that my best advice is to watch Ali Eldrazi's stream from early access and the day after release where he's playing a ramp deck that runs Planar Bridge, the Asika God of the World Tree bridge card. And he just has a ton of huge planeswalkers that have amazing ultimates like Teferi, Master of Time has double turns and Ugin of course has Ugin ultimates and things like that and Vorinclex and those are the hits for the bridge. So the idea is ramp get some mana, wrath the board with Doomscar and if bridge sticks to the battlefield for a few turns you'll hit some combination of Vorinclex and giant planeswalkers or like that's the other cool thing if you hit the planeswalker with the bridge you can cast the vorinclex and then activate the planeswalker and get a million loyalty and then it ultimates the next turn or into fairy's case like it'll ultimate really quick <laughs> like absurdly quick so uh that that deck is built to exploit this that deck is sweet I haven't built that deck. I don't have a lot to say other than when it popped off against me, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that is it. That's what this is supposed to be. Classic Ollie go over the top deck. Right on. Well, yeah, I, that's, that's a card that still has one of the biggest question marks over it for me in the set. Just clearly a powerful card that can do cool stuff. Yet to find maybe its ultimate home. We, we shall see. All right, CGB. I think that that's going to wrap up our first lineup on this new format. Any just quick initial thoughts about how it's going and what you should be thinking about for the average gamer? Kaldheim is sweet. Cards are sweet. Try to figure out the best shells for these cards uh, in the cases where they have very specific things that make them good. I'm thinking Kosama and Showdown of the Scalds. On the other hand, if a card is uniquely powerful, like Goldspan Dragon, maybe it makes more sense to work less hard and just let it do its thing uh, in some established lists. But either way, I'm hoping that next week we'll have maybe some tournament results and lists to go over and see what's actually rising to the top in the new meta. Yeah, my takeaway is that there are cards in this set that are powerful enough to keep up with Throne of Eldraine. We could be seeing some new archetypes, like the Naya Adventure um, is an example of an archetype which could actually be a new thing that's spawned by this set. So I, I feel hopeful that we're going to see at least one and maybe more tier one standard viable new or newish archetypes from the set. So that, that's that's what I'm on the lookout for. All right, so yes, very much looking forward to next week. Uh, it's a fine tradition with CGB and myself, our week one metagame standard roundup. So we'll look forward to that. And in the meantime, 
You can find Kovac Go Blue on his YouTube channel. He's going to be making all kinds of exciting videos for you. It's a probably a really good place to start if you're looking for like some new brews in the format and new places to you know what what to work with in the first week. I would say. Yep. Today today is the Naya Showdown list, Naya Adventure Showdown. So you can check Perfect. it out. Perfect. Yep. Perfect example of what we've been talking about in motion. You can also catch CGB live on his Twitch stream. Um, and with the Arena Craft podcast, you can find us on YouTube. We've been releasing a lot of videos lately with the card images. Thanks to Bottle Brush Games for all of those. So if you want to freshen up, if you missed any of our set reviews, go back and listen to those. They were very enlightening. We had a lot of fun making those. And you can also find us on Spotify and all the other usual places you might find podcasts. I've also been streaming a bit more because I'm excited about the new meta. So if you want to get notified of when I go streaming, the best place to do that is join the Discord. And of course, you can always just follow me on Twitch, ArenaCraft Podcast. All right, that wraps it up. Look forward to chatting with you next week. See you next week. Absolutely. See you next time.